Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dear Fat Malie, I'm writing to you from my crisp, adorable floral print papier notebook. You'll know it's me because it has my name across the front, which I love. I'm also obsessed with my personalized stationery cards. They scream, this fatty's important and chic. Papier works with leading artists and brands to offer an unrivaled collection of notebooks, planners, cards, and invitations delivered straight to your home. Go to papier.com and save 15% off your first order with code she's all fat. Get free delivery in the U.S. on all orders over $75. That's P-A-P-I-E-R.com with code she's all fat. Sincerely, Sophie. Today's episode is sponsored by Eleven Honoré, a platform for designer plus-size clothing. Eleven Honoré works with designers and brands to expand their sizing, providing fit models and pattern makers to designers in a true partnership. They currently offer sizes 10 to 24, and they're constantly pushing the designers they work with to continue expanding. It's a process they're committed to. Eleven Honoré wants to rewrite society's ideas of who can wear and buy designer clothes. As the founder and CEO, Patrick Herning says, this is a movement, not a moment. At Eleven Honoré, you can be confident in finding pieces that are special because of their fit and quality, and you can use quad pay if you want to pay for items over time. She's All Fat listeners can get 20% off one order of regular price items from now through July. Visit 11honore.com and use code SAF20. That's 11honore.com, SAF20. I'm Sophie. I'm April. And this is She's All Fat, the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week, we'll discuss fast fashion, fab fashion, and most importantly, fat fashion. I'll talk to some of our favorite fat fashionistas and straight size ally fashionistas. What do you have to say, April? Tina, I'm talking on my podcast. <laughs> cool. Here we are in obsessions. Let's get into it. April, what are you obsessed with this week? I'm back, and these are my obsessions. Number one, not sure if you knew, but the website slash app Pandora still exists. If you never got on this, Pandora um, is a free website. You can pay to not have the ads, but I have ads on everything. I still have Hulu ads. I'm cheap. So I use it for free. Um, and you can click like a station, meaning you pick an artist that you would like to listen to other songs from the same vibe of that artist. And they'll provide, you know, endless songs based on that vibe. So I listen to Pandora when I'm writing a lot. It's my main thing. I'll, I'll always turn off my phone, uh, pretty much disconnect from everything I, I can. And then I just have my 
documents open and my Pandora. The station that has been giving me life this week that I'm obsessed with is Rosie Lowe. Okay, so I just found out about her from the same thing I'm always talking about, which is the YouTube Colors page. YouTube Colors, you need to subscribe. So she had a song come out um, a couple weeks ago on YouTube Colors for her song, Bird Song. So good, so sexy, such a vibe. I'm like, who is she? I put her into Pandora. I'm like, I need more of this absolute sexy vibe, this like soulful R&B pop indie. I love it. I put her into Pandora. I got Sade on that on that station. I got Billie Eilish on that station. I got Janet Jackson. I got Angie Stone. I got Anita Baker. It was incredible. Truly finding the right Pandora station really is a game changer because if you put in something like Ariana Grande, you could get any kind of pop music. You could get like big time rush. You can get stuff you never wanted to hear. You got to be very specific. So for me, I found best luck with getting like specific indie artists and getting sort of like their inspiration is what will make up the station. So obsessed with the Rosie Lowe Pandora station. Next obsession this week is... The Dawn BBW Edges video. Okay, let me explain. So a couple months ago, there was this popular meme going around of a guy with a mustache slamming shut his flip phone, right? A lot of people were using this in different contexts. Famously, Sophie used it in the context of me, and the caption was something like, April when any man tries to talk to her and it's a man just slamming shut a phone, which I relate to and I absolutely support. So he apparently is a YouTuber. I never knew where this meme came from. Just like anything on the internet, you're like, what is this? Where did this come from? He apparently is a YouTuber. His YouTube page is Don BBW. He's not a BBW, but I won't comment further on that. So he had a video go slightly viral this week where he relaxed his edges. And for the white women at home, we've already been through edges, but what a relaxer is, is when you sort of chemically treat your hair. If you're black, it will make it straight. If you're white and you have straight hair, it'll make your hair curly. So he he's from Barbados, which is great because he has like the same accent as Rihanna, <laughs> which I love. But so he relaxed his edges like kind of as a gag and just to see what happened. And the video, I mean, the video is like 16, minute long, 16 minutes long. And for some reason, I just could not look away. Like it just really made me laugh. It was the editing. There's like this new young millennial YouTube vlog editing style that like Emma Chamberlain's doing where they're doing these like weird zooms and weird cutaways. And I just like, I am fascinated by what the teens are doing, right? So he edited it really weird. And then the final part of the video is just people who I guess are his fans like reacting to his edges. And of course, spoiler alert, like his edges look a mess. It does not look good. (laughs) And so it's just, they're all like roasting him. The last three minutes of the video is just him being roasted for like how bad this turned out. And just like something about his sense of humor really clicked for me. And it was like the one video I had time to watch like that whole week. And it just got me. So I would watch the Don BBW relaxing my edges video. It's, it's extremely good. And if you were still unclear on what edges are, once you watch the video, you're going to know for sure. You're going to know in your heart what edges are on black people and we can just close the debate right there. That's my final obsession from this obsession dump. I hope you had fun. I had fun. Okay, Soph, take it away. Um, thank you, April. Um, my obsession this week is I'm I'm in a phase right now where I'm very tired all the time. I'm like working hard. I watched all of this show on background, season one of Legacies. It is a bad show, uh, but it is great in the way that I like, which is like, first of all, it's a double spinoff 
It's a spinoff of The Originals, which was a spinoff of Vampire Diaries, which Lindsay and I used to watch in college every week instead of going to senior night where our seniors went and they like drank in Palo Alto. <laughs> um, we used to watch Vampire Diaries every week. I was Team Damon. She was Team Stefan. But Legacies is like a double spinoff where it's like a magic school for witches, werewolves, and vampires. And Alaric is like a human who runs it and um, is trying to make them good. It's just very silly and fun. My favorite parts are when there's like a reference back to one of the more ridiculous things from Vampire Diaries. Um, If you like campy magic shows, then I recommend. Also, I want to give a little shout out to one of my new friends on Instagram. Um, If you want to get into like bike shorts, band t-shirts, sweat crop sweatpants kind of fashion, you could follow um, my new friend in Chicago. Her name's Rebecca Ravenna. She runs this vintage store called LHLL, Little High, Little Low. I have like a sweatshirt from them. I've just got another vintage sweatshirt and like a band tee and stuff. And what's cool about Rebecca is that um, she likes styling things. So if you, like, I didn't believe at first that they had anything plus size in their store. And often it is hard in vintage shopping to find plus size things. But if you message her and you're like, hey, here's the measurements of things that I like. Do you have anything? And like, here's my style. Then she enjoys like looking out for that stuff. And she's found a bunch of stuff for me, which is really cool and nice. And it's fun to like chit chat about fashion stuff. So if you're interested in that, we'll link her store and her personal account in the show notes. And finally, my final obsession, does anyone else really like those like peanut butter bars that they have at Starbucks now? I don't, I feel like it's literally just peanut butter in a bar, but it's really good. (laughs) I've been eating a lot of them. I don't really know, like they have to be kept in the fridge area. I don't know. I literally think they're just peanut butter, but they're good. Okay, that's it. Let's move on to our Apple Podcast review shoutouts. You know the deal. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you're helping us one day get to new and noteworthy, and um, that'll be the best day of all. We do read your nice reviews when we're going in the bathroom. We text them to each other. It's very nice. Thank you so much to the people connected to the following usernames. Lana135647. Lady Megster, Pea Pie and Goose, Melly B, Miss Holly, and KM Diva. Thank y'all so much. We'd also like to give a shout out to our patrons on patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. Um, we are an independent production and you, the patrons keep the lights on here, allow us to do all the things we do. There's like a lot of unseen costs of doing the podcast from hosting to just like paying business licenses every year for an LLC. Um, I prioritize paying Maria and Lynn and giving our interns a stipend over paying myself. There's just like a lot of costs. So we appreciate so much all of you who um, pledge us money every month and there's a lot of cool rewards on there. So thank you so much to the following patrons, Carrie Osmus, Denise Elliott, Samelia, um, that's April's sister. Hi, Tita. Stephanie Hare, Catherine Litvaldis, and Alex Locust, ah, who is at Glamputee. Have you listened to Alex's episode, Spill the Disability? You should. Um, thank you all so much for supporting the pod. We really appreciate you so, so much. 
Moving on to some correction slash news. A very sweet listener uh, talked about us on an NPR story and I got a lot of really nice messages about it. I want to say thank you so much for mentioning us and your story was really beautiful and I'm linking it in the show notes. So go check that out. Okay. Now a call for submissions. Um, we're doing an episode about fat camp. So if you have stories about going to fat camp, send us your best fat camp story. Um, you can send us a voice memo, attach it to an email, send it to FYI at she's or just send us an email. But we, you know, as April says, you know, we prefer that voice. Um, this week in our Patreon Facebook group, which you can be in if you join our Patreon at team, uh, Paisley Moomoo or above, um, people are talking about meeting our new interns, the lovely Yelly and Freya, who are amazing, we're talking about chunky dunk pool parties and how to plan them. And we're talking about Canada. Um, so get in there if you want to do that. We also, as always, have an extra mini-sode every week for Team I Love Bread. This week, our mini-sode is some more Q&As with Allie of Bissy Swim about creating swimsuit line that flatters and fits um, more kinds of bodies than, uh, than you know, average straight size line. So today's episode is part one of two Fat Shin episodes. Um, we are splitting these up into two episodes because we just got too much audio. Um, I really am curious about how small ethical inclusive brands are making it work. And this episode, you'll hear from Carissa Enneking at Fat Girl Flow. You'll hear from Danny of Daisy LA. And you'll hear from Katie, who's the creator of Ori. And I talked to all three of these creators about their small businesses, their small brands, and how the various like things that are in their way and the things that are in our way as customers to get what we want in fashion, in clothes. So um, next time you'll hear from some other people. This time you have amazing, three amazing interviews. So let's get into the meat of it. The meat of it. Welcome to the meat of it. Here we are in our fashion episode. Um, I really wanted to do this episode the more that I worked with Danny of Daisy LA on our collab shirt. And I started learning so many things that I had no idea about, like behind the scenes. And it really put into context a lot of things that I'd been frustrated about or wondered about as a customer or consumer. And I wanted to um, do a little bit of bringing some of those conversations between a consumer and a or a customer and a brand to the forefront first up we have a conversation with um our friend of the pod carissa enneking at fat girl flow um we talked to her about the money and the figures behind making t-shirts and making blanks and making merch um, recovering access, affordability, turnover, and some ethical stuff. Y'all know her as at Fat Girl Flow on Instagram and from a couple of our previous episodes. Let's get into it with Carissa. Can 
you give us a little overview of your business? I obviously run fatgirlflow.com and about three years ago, I decided to start doing just some basic merch and I did it with a company that was kind of like a print on demand. And what ended up happening was I just wasn't able to get the sizes that I needed at all from them. So I started merchandising with a company named Merch Table and they are here in Kansas and they have been incredible. They do everything in-house but one of the things that when we first started we were very quickly running into issues with was that sizing across the boards and you you have to remember these companies um, they have access to like every wholesale marketer out there. It's not like they're like, oh, you have three shirts to choose from, you know, no, they're like, literally, if it exists, we can find it. And there were no options for shirts, for shirts that were feminine cut over 4X. Um, You can obviously get like big and tall unisex shirts and stuff like that, usually up to like six or seven X, but they look really terrible. They're like, and really, they're not comfortable. And they're kind of awful. So, and these are for wholesale shirts, meaning shirts that aren't sold to directly to customers. They're sold to brands who want to print on them or change them or whatever from, and this is, so this is like a middleman person who has access to all the factories in the U S or whatever. Right. Yes. I think a lot of people just think you like make a t-shirt, but truly most people are just printing on a t-shirt that they already bought. So for your stuff, you have a lot of cute shirts. We'll put them, the links in the show notes. You have cute shirts and all sorts of like crop tops and things that say like fat brat and like all sorts of fat positive things. And tell us about like the, if they're ethical and like what size range you currently offer in. Okay. So when we decided to make these, I actually, the people at Merch Table were kind of like, okay, look, we see your market and we really believe in it. Like, even though we only had these shirts up to 4X, they were selling so well and people were getting so excited about them. Merch Table came to me and said, we see the potential in this and we would really like to partner with a manufacturer and we would like to create a pattern and like have you design a shirt. And so that process kind of looks like me basically bringing in like four or five of my favorite shirts and saying, this is how I like things to fit. And then us making a literal pattern from scratch. I think you have to decide how to grade shirts and grading is basically how much each size should increase. So that's very, very different for plus size fashion than it is for straight size fashion because once you get into bigger bodies, the sizing in between each size is bigger. So like a small and a medium might have one inch difference, but a 4X and a 5X is going to have something like a three to four inch difference. We decided we wanted to go up to 6X, so we only make shirts from XL to 6X now. Um, we aren't messing with small to large. I really, <laughs> that, that's kind of an active choice on our part. Um, I think that plus size people are left out of the conversation 
plenty. Yeah, that's why we did like allyship for our shirt because I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I feel comfortable just having it be like a picture of a fat body. <laughs> Is this sarcasm? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we did the shirts up to 6X. We have a manufacturer um, who is located in just outside of LA and they do all of our manufacturing. Everything's ethical. They, um, I think there is a thread uh, that they use in the shirts that comes from overseas, but otherwise everything's made in the USA and everyone's paid a living wage and, you know, the whole ethical spiel. It's kind of interesting when you start a new line because you just are kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing if they stick. Because we had, we, our original thought was, let's just make some blanks and see if people want to buy them, you know, and like print yeah. on them. And, the thing is, nobody trusts you right away, right? We ended up buying three different types of shirts um, in three different colors. And merch table, this is this is the part I think a lot of people think, oh, so you just made some t-shirts? Um, merch table invested $17,000 for the first run of that. Um, I, <laughs> I can't do that. That's not something I would have ever been able to do on my own. That's... Uh, it's just a massive undertaking. Like the privilege I had in having this business like approach me about it and be like, hey, we think you're worth this is astronomical. I know that a lot of people probably assume if you invest $17,000, you're making just a shitload of money on, on that, right? Like, But merch is not making me a millionaire. I'm lucky, very, very lucky if I make maybe half of what a teacher's salary is, you know, like it's, I'm not making a a ton of money off of that. It's a huge investment and long-term, I hope that it pays off big. I hope people really see these shirts and go, wow, we're going to start wholesaling on these shirts. We love these shirts. These are the plus size shirts to print on. But for now, it's just investing just tons of money into something that really doesn't have much return. We approached you to wholesale your shirts when we were trying to do our first, figure out our first merch step. And that's one of the reasons we ended up doing a collab with Daisy because they had the resources to like do that. And you were like, don't do this. It would cost you so much money. And we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. And like, even when, when you guys approached me, I was like, even if you wanted to buy 200 shirts from me, you would have to pay upfront for the cost of the shirts, which is an ethically sourced shirt is incredibly expensive. Our shirts, if we were to wholesale our shirts, they're about 12 to $13 a piece. And for, for you guys, I was like, unless you have a lot of money and you know exactly who your audience is and exactly what sizes are going to sell perfectly. It's just not, it's not an economical move for anyone to do. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And for us, it's like, we've done a couple surveys. So we know our audience is half straight size and half plus size. It's important to us to do ethical stuff, but like, I have no idea how much somebody can afford. And so even though I know how many listeners we have, I don't know how many listeners we have who would want a shirt who can pay for an ethical shirt. 
Right. So it's like a huge risk. When I say that like we invested $17,000 on that first run, that is just for the blank t-shirts. That does not include any printing costs. It doesn't include any time or um, costs that I have to put in for designs from graphic designers and stuff. It doesn't put in any uh, photographer photo shoot amounts. Like it is a gigantic investment. And so when people hear that I make $10 off every shirt, that sounds like, holy cow, you're making a ton of money. But it's it's very, very little compared to how much you have to actually put into the sh- each well, shirt. Well, it's, it's not what you ultimately get out of it right. at all. Right. And then when there's like smaller creators or smaller ethical brands or whatever, and it's like, oh, they're trying to do stuff right, then I think fat people, like I've seen this in the fat community, and I think this happens in other activist communities too, will be like, well, you're trying to do all these things, so like why can't it be all the things I want? And then then it's just like, I always feel like, well, why aren't you demanding that of like Target? Like I know you're going to go buy like a big shirt from Target, which I also do, but are you asking, are you demanding that Target's ethical as well as affordable? Are you demanding right. that they scale their shirts like more, so that they fit you better? I think a lot of times it seems more approachable because like smaller ethical brands have a face that people feel that they trust. And so they feel like, you know, they want they want everything from that person. But I'm just like, man, it sucks that this burden is being placed on smaller creators when if larger businesses and corporations would be leading this shift, it would make everything so much easier down the line. And there is this kind of like trickle down effect when people get word that this could be profitable, obviously, because these corporations are looking at their bottom line. The problem then is that these indie brands don't get any recognition for what they're doing and corporations make all the profit off of it. So not only are we getting kind of beat up in the beginning for being um, forward thinking or for being the first to do something, we're also not really reaping the benefits. Especially because it's just the case in in any product that the more you're making, the cheaper you can make it. If there's only us making these things and we need to be able to get return on them, they have to be as like a certain amount, especially if it's ethical, then everyone needs to be paid the right amount. That's like, right. you know, yeah. it's just like a hard, so then it's a hard balance where then it's like, well, I don't know how to solve that tension. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what do we do? For the first two years of doing this merchandise, I mean, my merch team wants me to be selling my shirts for much more than I am. And instead, I'm like kind of struggling and having a hard time reinvesting. And I do that because I want the people who are my audience to have access to these things. And I do feel like that's very important to me. I really, truly do believe that the only way to get people in... uh, people who are super fats and people above three and four X, the only way to get them to start shopping online and to start spending their money with brands we want them to spend their money with, with indie brands is to really show them that we're committed to them. Yeah, And so I, I do want to take that time. I want to show people that I'm committed to them. And I want to show people that, you know, that they can trust me and that they can trust my brand. And also it's like, okay, um, I guess it's just like this cycle that marginalized people just don't get to be quite as successful right off the bat, you know? You know, it's like that scale of privilege thing where it's like, I try to make sure that 
as someone who has like money, I buy from mostly ethical places. Do I sometimes buy from Target? Yes. You know, I love to go to Target. <laughs> like it's not perfect. You know what I mean? And it's the same where it's like, I know that super fat people do not trust brands for good reason. Yeah. For very good reason. And so I'm like, of course they're like, why would I, and why would I pay this much money for something when I have no proof essentially? Right. Right, yeah, You know, absolutely. among other things where it's just like, you know, and super fat people are also facing the most discrimination and like the most wage discrimination and the most X, Y, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, but then it again, we get into that cart horse thing that happens with small businesses where it's like, how can I prove this to you without having the buy-in from the audience? How can I get the buy-in from the audience without proving it to you? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to figure out. Yeah. And the truth is, I do think people want our fat money, you know? I mean, I yes. think people are like, oh my God. There are like a lot of fat people around here. We would yes. love their money. And doing it is, I mean, it's its a huge undertaking. It's much bigger than I think people think it is. And it does take a lot of time. When we did this, we, uh, we didn't, I didn't take a paycheck from my merchandise for nine months. When we're talking about brands who are doing this, it's so easy to get frustrated and upset. And we are, I, I personally am sacrificing like a lot for this and to, to make it, to make that change happen, there has to be a lot of sacrifice. And I understand why brands don't want to jump on that sacrifice. You know, I understand why people aren't laying on their swords to be like, okay, we're going to carry all these sizes now, you know, like what are the, the broader structural things that are more powerful than you that would help if they changed in the fashion industry to like make this easier for smaller creators and for fat customers? I hate that this is something that I have to talk about so often, but I genuinely do not believe that there is like, that there are enough like grants and business loan opportunities out there for people who are doing new things. Um, I have, I have a fairly successful business uh, compared to most bloggers and people who are trying to do this on their own. I mean, I actually do get paid and I actually do have an okay life where I'm not, you know, struggling a ton. And that's, that's a massive privilege. And I still can't get business loans. So I think that getting more access to grants and funding is a huge, huge deal. But I also think that having conversations about, about what it is people need and one of the things I find really interesting is that we don't have a lot of data sets on what people above a size 24 um, are looking for or what they need or what their desires are. And we look at fat bodies as something that is temporary. You'll see, like in January, you see tons of activewear come out in plus sizes because people think you're going to work out your way to thinness. And the truth is that that is changing and people in fat bodies are staying in fat bodies and they they are affirming that they are staying in fat bodies. They aren't letting people tell them that they have to change anymore. So I think that even just like diving deeper into these, in, into some of this data about who is buying, why they're uncomfortable buying, uh, where they would be more comfortable buying and even how we measure and how we grade sizes. I mean, damn, Sophie, the the entire industry needs a complete overhaul. Let's be honest. Yeah. But I yes. do think one of the things that I like feel like 
I continuously wish for is like data around who the customer is and who and why we don't have that why we don't have any information about people over size 24 like why would that happen because those people don't count duh right yeah it's horrifying because you do it's it really is like fashion is a little microcosm of yes how we treat fat people I mean it's like if you're if you're over a certain size you just don't exist you don't have access to it you don't exist you're not important it's it's bullshit of course, plus size people make up the majority of Americans. Um, but I think we do forget sometimes how small, like the plus size fashion community is specifically. Yes, it's very small. My blog, if you go to my blog, it literally lists every plus size place to shop, and it fits, yes, you know, like it fits on a blog. That's incredible. That's why, like, <laughs> I know my straight size friends sometimes, like, a girl will walk by who's plus size, and I'm like. Oh, I saw that dress on Eloquia. Like, I thought about getting it. And they'll be like, how do you know? And I'm yeah. like, there's like five sites. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's it. That's that's all yeah. we have. I'm uh, pe- When people want something like that's plus size, I'm like, I'm a literal Rolodex. But yes. I could never be that for straight size companies. No, no, because no. Because there's, there's so, so many. many. Yeah. To end on a positive note, your shirts are so cute. I have several of them. And the sweatshirts, they're very soft. They're ethically made. They're very nice. So everyone should go to your site and buy some. And that's that's not a paid advertisement. It's just me <laughs> liking them and supporting you. Aggressive really, support. <laughs> they're really fun. I mean, it's a fun venture to be on, you know. And, you know, I appreciate I appreciate you and everyone else who's kind of hanging in there with us and watching us grow. It's It's a pretty good time. There's a special kind of love that comes from seeing a community of people like be obsessed with something you made. So that's yes. that's a pretty good payoff. Thank you for chatting with us, Krissa, and we're going to have you back on the pod real soon. <laughs> Thanks, Sophie. Y'all. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know I love makeup and trying new looks, but you know what I don't love? Taking it all off at night. That is until I met Vanilla. Vanilla is the holy grail of makeup removers, meaning it's also a cleanser. 
Usually I just pick one or the other and my skin suffers from it. it gets too tight or it gets dried out. With vanilla, I can melt my makeup away in under a minute and it never leaves my skin dry or tight. The only thing tight about vanilla is its skin loving ingredients. There's no sulfates, there's no alcohol, there's no artificial coloring. You can buy one for yourself at vanillausa.com and save 10% off with promo code SAF10. Right now, they also have free shipping, so hop on it. That's B-A-N-I-L-A-U-S-A.com, promo code S-A-F-10. Hey, family! If you're someone who wants to buy beautiful plus-size designer clothing, look no further than Eleven Honoré. If you've never bought designer before, you can rely on Eleven Honoré's sales and stylist team to help you find something that will look and feel amazing. I went to Eleven Honoré headquarters recently to test out their options. I've never worn designer clothes before, and I've had plenty of experiences looking at beautiful items and knowing they'd never come in my size 24 shape. I tried on a bunch of things that fit really well and looked beautiful. It was honestly incredible to not just be looking for something, anything that I could stretch onto my body. I was looking for something that fit my body and fit it well. As co-founder and CEO Patrick Herning says about the 11 Honoré client, she's been dealt watered down versions of fashion for so long, we want to give her things she's not expecting. That held true for me. Eleven Honoré is committed to the process of working with designers in a traditionally exclusive industry, high-end fashion, to expand their size ranges. They've only been in business a year and a half, and they've gone from launching with about 20 designers to now working with 90. Eleven Honoré is an amazing option for plus-size customers who want to wear luxury clothes that fit and feel incredible, sold on a platform that advocates for them. She's All Fat listeners can get 20% off one order of regular price items from now through July. Visit 11honore.com and use code SAF20. That's 11honore.com, SAF20. Let's get back into the meat of it. Okay, now after talking to our wonderful friend Carissa, we're moving into a conversation with Danny, who um, we collabed with on our recent collab shirt for Daisy LA. Um, and we are talking about our collab. We're talking about ethical fashion and how brands that start as smaller brands, ethical brands, and want to expand into plus sizes um, can do that. So my name is Danny, and I am the founder of Daisy LA. Our Instagram is at D-A-Z-E-Y underscore L-A. I also co-founded Biz Babes, B-I-Z-B-A-B-E-Z. I have a house called the Daisy Desert House that we Airbnb, and that is Daisy underscore desert underscore house. I'm not going to spell that all out for you. Yes. <laughs> And um, you reached out to me in April, like very shortly after we started the podcast to be in your self-love collection video. I remember getting the DM and I was like, oh, we should check this out. And then we like showed up and it was incredible. And you were like super welcoming and amazing. And we had so much fun. And then ever since then, we've just been like in conversation. And recently we worked together to make our first like collab merch shirt with you, the Allies of All Size shirt that we're very, very proud of. So you've been a very important part of our story of as a show so far, and I hope continue to be. Well, same for me. You guys really helped me. I'm, I remember when I first met you, I was just expanding our shirts to 2X, mm -hmm. and you guys were the first models to try them on and shoot with them and wear them and give me feedback. 
And then obviously now that we've expanded our collaboration shirt to 4X, you know, like every step, like you guys have been involved with our size inclusivity. And I feel like I've also learned so much listening to your podcast on how to better, you know, be an ally to that community and make everyone feel included and do what I can as a small company to make all women feel involved in our brand and what we do. Yeah. So that's a good place for us to transition to talking about like the ways that you have scaled up Daisy's sizes. So you told us from the very beginning you wanted to scale up the sizes and that you were working on it. And it was going to take a while. And we were like, okay, we have no idea what that means. Like we don't know how fashion works. We were like, Mm -hmm. okay, sure. And then you were like, okay, 2X. And then you're like, okay, 4X. And you've been telling us about stuff behind the scenes. And I, that was really my motivation for doing this episode was being like, I had no idea all of the things that have to go into this, especially like because you are someone who cares a lot about the ethics behind something and making things, making sure things are made by paying people fair wages and not through like abusive practices. So can you talk a little bit about the like ethics and ethical choices you've made along the way to creating Daisy and how like those impacted the way you could scale up sizes? Definitely. So I feel like the intersection of ethical and inclusive fashion is extremely under underserved. Um, but most of the sustainable ethical brands are small brands and have a hard time paying for their their inventory without like adding additional SKUs. So And what are SKUs for people SKUs, who don't know? So SKUs are every time you add like a new option to an array of styles. And so many people don't realize like how much work goes into it and how much cost every time you add a skew Mm -hmm. because you're adding that across the board to all these different styles, to all these different colors. And especially when you're adding sizes, it's different than adding just another color shirt because that's across the board on every color shirt and every body if you're trying Mm to, you know, add an additional size. But of course, like in my heart, like that's what I want it to do, like I don't give a shit. I want everyone to wear my clothes. Are yeah, you kidding me? Exactly. And I remember like even like I was able to explain you guys a little bit like yeah. the process that goes into it, but it's hard to understand, you know, well, especially because there's not there's not like a lot of the conversations I've been having interviewing people about this. What we've been talking about is how there's a lack of shared language between the people producing this kind of fashion and the people con- wanting to consume it, and especially because plus size, the plus size audience is such an ignored audience. And also we're used to hearing bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. we're used to just hearing from large brands like, oh, we can't, it's too hard. And so then when we hear it's it's too hard to do right now. Now, like a lot of people are like, how do I tell the difference? And I've been working with my production partner. And since Daisy makes all of our clothing to order to be like the most sustainable possible, that adds a whole nother like confusing aspect on, you know, making to order like additional sizes and how we have to like change our production around to do that. And what people don't realize is it costs tens and tens of thousands of dollars to do just a tiny run of clothing for Mm -hmm. a season. It really adds up, but I'm so happy through our collaboration that we've been able to kind of speed up the process a little bit. And I think I want to share this with other brands and I want Daisy to be an example. So it was kind of a way to, to prove to my production people and just proof of 
you know, that the need is out there and also to raise funds that are directly going into our size inclusivity initiative. And as a small brand, it really helped us so much. And now in our summer line, I'm planning on going for the first time up to 2X in our swimwear and in our pants. Yay! And that is all funding from our collaboration. And it really, really helped us. Yay! Yeah, so it's super exciting. And I'm hoping, you know, for the next one, hopefully we can push it up to 3X. Yes, exactly. And continue to do that across the board. Okay, let me drill into some more little questions. Mm -hmm. So from your end, you've been very clear that you wanted to do this the whole time. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, okay, I had to show my production partner how this could be done. What were the like barriers or doubts from that end of things? Or like what what were the risks there? You know, a lot of these people um, have been working in the fashion industry for a really long time. And my production partner is awesome, but you know, he's old school and he, in his head, he was like, this is what you do. You do small through large or small through extra large. And he didn't really realize the demand was out there. Mm -hmm. And since, you know, we work very closely and they make the clothing to order, they take a huge risk by making the shirts. We, you know, we aren't upfronting the same costs like your average fashion brand is. So I have to do a lot of convincing with my production partner. Now we are doing some, like all of our pants and swim is being made you know, in small batches as opposed to order. But yeah, it definitely took some convincing. And when we, you know, did up to 2X, they actually sold, I think it was even better than our size large. Our 2X, like we had this pocket of like followers of our brand who were ready to support us expanding sizes. And our 2X does extremely well. And once I showed him that, he was like, oh, wow. You know, there is a demand for that out there. So they've been a lot more open to expanding that. And guess what? Our 3 and 4X are selling in the Allies of All Size shirt. And he sees the demand for it. And we're able to, you know, grow that, I hope. What do you think that comes from, that, like, old school? Like, what is – is that just from, like, years of being, like, this is how it is? Does it – do you think it comes from, like, I don't – is it, like, a fat phobic place? Is it, like, a just, like, unwilling to – like, what is it? I will say I have worked for some – there's a lot of sketchy dudes in the fashion industry. (laughs) I mean, I have – I for sure worked for some creepy guys who – it probably does come from a fat phobic space. Yeah. My production partner, Kelly – he doesn't care, you know, like yeah. he just didn't know that there was a demand for that out there or that the audience was there waiting to support and like wanted that product. Yeah. I mean, for a long time I worked for Torrid as well and it just kind of like there was a big split in the industry. You either served the plus size community or you served the straight size community and not a lot of companies were trying to do both. It's interesting because like all of the people who I've talked to who are like the front facing parts, the creative parts of the brands, it's like they've gotten it the whole time. It's interesting to hear them be like, yeah, I had to like convince this person or that person. I'm like, does that person not like look around and see how many fat people there are? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we're everywhere. What's the deal? Yeah. I just think there was just like a a split in the industry. There's just two different camps. But it's really cool to start seeing more and more brands embrace that and realize there's a demand. So I worked in the fashion industry before starting Daisy for about six years, uh, designing for a lot of corporate companies, including like Macy's, Urban Outfitters, stuff like that. And 
at the time, I didn't even realize how bad it was until I watched that documentary, The, T- the True Cost, that I'm always like yes. telling people We're to gonna watch. We're going to put it you in the show notes. Ugh, I'm scared. Um, I don't want to be sad. People have to understand, you know. Yeah. But it's just, it's not about being perfect, sustainable yes. shopper. We don't, there was this quote I saw on the internet the other day. It was like, we don't need like a thousand, 100% perfect, sustainable yeah. consumers. We need millions of imperfect like people that are trying basically you have a platform and the more educated you are on this the more you can educate other people and the more these people can demand sustainability not only from these larger brands but they can you know ask for more size inclusive options from the brands that are more sustainable as well yeah and when people send me dms like saying hey i love your brand i really wish this was available in my size like i listen and the more and more of those that i get like i'm like wow there is a demand for this both inclusive fashion and sustainable fashion are super hot topics right now. The more you can learn and spread that message, the more powerful it's going to get. And these corporations are going to have to listen. Yeah. Where you spend your money is where you're voting for what kind of future you want. You know, By people supporting our Allies of All Size shirt, people are choosing to help our brand expand and further spread our message and show other brands that there is a demand for that you know fashion like is an extremely interesting viewpoint into all of these like justice issues basically totally you know i've also heard from a couple of people like sort of this like an unwillingness for creators to both be inclusive and ethical or it's like those are both going to add to your your bottom line of cost and I hear sometimes things like well I'm already ethical and so like it's too expensive to expand or like well I'm inclusive and so it's not a I'm not able to be like ethically sourced what is your but I feel like personally I feel like inclusivity is part of an ethical of an ethical brand what are the next steps for how like Daisy is planning on slowly moving towards like expanding across the board what will what needs to happen to keep that going so i'm really excited with what we've been able to raise with the allies of all size to do our small batch pants and um, swim in up to 2x so right now we have all of our basic tees available to 2x in all colors and that's awesome and you know it's taken us a while to get there and now that we have this and the shirt's done well you know they're going to small batch the black and white shirt up to to 4x So we may as well offer that on all of the other graphics in that style. It continues to do well, you know, like the demand grows, then we start to offer it in different colors. Mm -hmm. Then maybe we start to offer it in our specialty bodies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is very complicated and it does take time. Yeah. But it is very important to us and we really are working on it. Would it be quicker if you were not using ethical sourcing? It would be, yeah, I mean, oh God, it would be a fraction of the cost to produce this stuff. And like, that's really like where it gets tricky. Yeah. The cost, you know, and we have like our ambassador program and they get like their discount code, you know, and we're stoked to do that, you know, more things cutting into like already like pretty tight margins. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Like it would be a lot easier if we were getting things for like a fourth of the price. Yeah. yeah. So it's like down the line when you've expanded to 4X and more things, will you look ahead to 5X and 6X too? Yeah. I mean, I see no reason in stopping that growth as long as the demand is there and our community is supporting what we're doing, of course. That's awesome. Yeah. It's hard because there's like 
especially with five and six X, once you get into super fat range, then it's even harder to be like, I promise I want to make this for you. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like the audience is even more distrustful. Yeah. (laughs) And like, but I really think the best thing you can do is just keep doing what you're doing, which is like continue to be vocal about it, continue to talk to people, continue to be like, look, I'm listening. I'm partnering with this like podcast that like really cares about this and like mm-hmm. blah, blah, you know? It's like I don't I don't know what more you could really do. I think yeah. you're killing it. <laughs> yeah, we're working really hard. We want to grow the brand exponentially yeah. and our size offering along with that. What are other things, like you mentioned messaging brands and telling them like, hey, I want to see more plus sizes. What are other things we can do to encourage more brands to be inclusive and ethical? You know, another great way to support these brands is by following their social media, reposting things. Like, for example... I see so many people reposting like universal standard Mm -hmm. ads and like all the work that they're doing. They're getting so much visibility and it's not only beneficial for their brand, but just for this entire initiative. Like the more people are used to seeing different body types in the media. And I think that's an awesome way. Just keep sharing and educating people alongside what these brands are trying to do. It makes a huge impact. It can feel sometimes like like hard to trust some of these moves from big brands if they're not, number one, if they don't moderate their comments on social media and they're mm-hmm. not protecting the fat people that they are getting social capital off of from hate from people. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's like even – you know, like I post about this on Instagram the other day, even stores that have extended sizes now who I buy from, like Madewell does not have my size in store. So I'm not included in that shopping process. And that feels shitty. And they're a big company. They're a big company. I don't give these big companies any passes on this stuff. Like they should be on top of this. Yes. And so it feels like, and so then we hear the same thing from them of like, we're trying to figure out how to integrate like, you know, store space and like square space and whatever like square footage and it's hard i'm like okay but in the meantime throw a couple extra sizes on the rack i mean that's what it seems like to me but in the meantime you know so much that we probably don't know (laughs) probably but in the meantime it's like okay cool you want my money but you literally don't want my ass in your store Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. is how it feels and it's like that's where it's like okay we need to have more of these conversations with brands who we can learn to trust Mm -hmm. and then hope that that trickles up to the like other companies. I really think it has to be trickle up to be done the right way because brands like Daisy and other small brands are like a lot more accessible to speak with. And actually like, you know, I work directly with you and April to build this campaign and learn to like do it the right way. Yeah. You know, and not have it come off like I'm trying to like, be like, you know, taking people's money or like using like yes. this body type for marketing purposes. Yes. Um, you know, it takes a lot of care and a lot of education to yeah. do it the right way. And I think it is going to be something that is going to be more of a trickle up type of thing. I mean, you already see it happening, you know. Danny, thank you so much for your constant support of us. I have always been so proud of what you're doing and admired your willingness to learn and wanting to hear feedback and grow together. And I'm really proud that you're my friend and business buddy. And I'm really glad you're on the pod now. Thank you so much. Honestly, same with you. You guys have taught me so much through this podcast about how to be a better human and a better brand and I love cheering you guys on. Thank Yay, you so much. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> 
Danny also recommends that people watch um, The True Cost of Fashion, which is a documentary on Netflix, and use the app called Good On You. You can download it um, on your phone if you have a smartphone in order to start learning more about ethical fashion. Um, there's links to those things in the show notes. So Danny is a great resource for those things. There's a lot of information about ethical fashion on her blog, on her Daisy blog. Um, and I'm starting to learn more about that stuff and it'd be cool if the rest of the family did too. Um, let's move on to talking to another small brand. We've worked with Ori. Um, Ori has been one of our sponsors and we may have some more stuff with them down the line. Um, Katie, the founder of Ori used her skills in data collection to get more information about her customers, about the plus size audience and to build her brand from the bottom up. So let's get into that with Katie. I'm Katie. So excited to be podcasting. (laughs) I'm the founder of Ori. Uh, We design contemporary pieces in sizes 10 to 32. And you have been a sponsor of the pod earlier this season. You were sponsored yes. of our very first episode of this season. We snagged the first episode. Heck yeah. So exciting. Um, and right now you guys have these really cute shirts that are like graded so that they fit plus size bodies, right? Yep. Yes. And you have sweatshirts that have very cute embroideries. Yes. And then... You just came out with a dress, and you're going to be working on skirts next. Yeah, we have two skirts coming up um, and one casual trouser, Mm -hmm. which we're super excited about. We're actually fitting them tomorrow. That's very cool. Which means that they'll be done in about um, a million years. Um, I don't have a fashion background. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur, so that's the background. I've been selling rocks to people. (laughs) What? Five or six. It's a thing. Um, Very annoying kid. Um, but no, I, uh, I've always wanted to make something, um, and this is, this is just such a passion project for me. Um, I've always, I've always felt like I should be smaller (laughs) and it's exhausting. Um, and I've spent a lot of life force, um, trying to make myself smaller, whether that's physically or socially or just whatever. Um, and this just, I just wanted to create something that um, you could just live in every day and feel awesome and go make a dent in the universe. That's I love that. To me. That's really nice. Yeah. And so you are straight size. I am. So what do you, what have you like learned about allyship to like fat community and trying to build this product like for both your size and up? Cause it's like 10 through 32, which is like an amazing range. Yeah. It's a big size range. Um, so I'm about a 10 to a 12. Uh, and that's toward the top of the straight size range. So it's at the point where things start getting pretty boxy when mm-hmm. they're supposed to fit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I wanted to make something that was graded from an 18 up and down, uh, cause that just seemed like a more sensible way to do it versus. So for our listeners, what that means sure. is the 18 would be the starting point instead of like a size zero being the starting point, And then like the pattern would be shifted smaller and larger from a size 18, right? Exactly. Okay. So the 18 is our base size. Um, and from the beginning, um, I wanted to create something that was based off of customer feedback and what people actually wanted to wear. I felt like that was what was missing in the market. Um, 
So we started from a really long survey. It's 22 questions, super long-winded. <laughs> um, and it ended up getting over 9,000 responses. Where did you put it? Yeah, so I had a Squarespace page um, that had a funny little picture of my first idea of the sweatshirts on it. Um, <laughs> and that's where I was getting survey responses. But where did you put it? Like, how'd you get 9,000 people to see it? Well, so I, my background is kind of in this data analytics mm-hmm. uh, media buying space for direct consumer brands. Um, and so I put an ad on Facebook, um, that just snowballed. And even in the ad itself, there are, I think 700 comments just on the ad thread of people with different ideas about plus size fashion and reading through those responses was the moment when I was like, well, this, this needs to be a thing. (laughs) Um, so after actually, after we got all those survey responses, um, I sent an email to all those people and, I was like, if you're in LA, we'd love to see you. Um, come by my apartment. We'll do a fitting. And a bunch of people responded. Um, and we asked them to bring the garments that they wore every day, the ones that they reached for first. Um, we had a bunch of competitive garments from other brands. And um, many women <laughs> came by my apartment in Venice. And we measured them and took pictures and took pictures of their favorite garments, um, talked to them about what they like to wear, had them try on a bunch of different pieces from different brands, and that became the basis of the line. And most brands stop, even if they do plus size around a 20 or a 22, they actually yes. don't go up that high. And going up to a 32 is really important because I think when you're an inclusive brand, um, you can't just kind of stop in the middle. Yes, I love that. Um, and what about like, so how are you, how are you funding it? And what are the challenges that you've come along as like a startup brand? So, um, so, so far it's, it's been self-funded off of my consulting work. Um, it seems to be a like common thread among everyone I've talked to is that they're like self-funded. Huh? Um, but really the way that the company has been funded and the way that I've sort of ran it and made things has been from this, like just intense drive to do it and just start and mm-hmm. to make things and, you know, people operate pretty slowly, um, especially in this industry and just in general. And so I found that the fastest way to get something out there was to fund it, um, to take a little bit of a risk and just kind of go for it. Um, that's awesome. And so who, who runs Ori? It's you. Yeah, it's, it's me. (laughs) Um, it's a pretty small team. Um, no, it's me and it's a bunch of, um, really amazing freelancers who have contributed in different ways. Being an entrepreneur with a company versus being a big company that's trying to expand your size range. When you're the latter, all you see is kind of like a cost center, um, and kind of like the complications of setting up a new category. So it's almost like if you're doing nets and you're going into swim, um, when you're an entrepreneur and you have a small company, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and obviously I'm very cognizant of kind of like costs and how the company, you know, is operated. But at the same time, like I have the opportunity to build the company around this size range in a way where this is just the norm, you yeah. know, that these are the sizes <clears throat> that we serve. And so who do you use for, you were saying you use someone for a fit model that's like more shaped like me. Totally. So, um, we have a couple different fit models that we use consistently. So we have one, one woman who's more of an apple shape. We have one woman who's more of an hourglass shape. We have one woman who's a little bit taller. And then we have another woman who's more of a standard um, fit model industry standard. Quote, unquote, yeah. Yeah, right? Um, and so we fit the garments on a bunch of different people. Um, we get all that feedback. But we also, like even outside the way that we pattern the garments, um, 
we're super responsive over, you know, our social media or over email. And I've gotten even, I think, more feedback from customers through email, through customer service, um, and even from putting it on a fit model, because you see a garment on one person who's quote unquote representative, but you don't really know how it moves or how it lives with people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the most interesting source of data has been literally talking to the customers, usually over email, um, and seeing what they thought of the product. Yeah. My kind of mission as an entrepreneur is to kind of like question the way that the supply chain is set up right now and the way that manufacturing works, because I think that what will make the company successful is being able to be responsive um, and being able to make these changes. Y'all can go see on my Instagram if you want to see more examples of like Ori clothes on me, if you're shaped like me. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you for being on the pod. And um, what do you... Do you want to direct people to, or what is it? Whereori.com? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's whereori.com. It cool. is not we are Ori. I thought it was that for opinion. so long. You know, it's an easy mistake to make. Whereori.com. Cool. Thank you, Katie. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Okay, so those were our conversations with Carissa, Danny, and Katie about um, small brands, ethical fashion, and inclusive fashion. Um, this is obviously a topic that has like a lot of aspects to it that we as consumers just like don't know about at all. I've been really interested in all of the things we've learned so far. We had a couple other conversations um, on this topic. We had too many to fit in this one episode. So like we said at the top, um, next time, a few episodes from now, you're going to hear from Nicolette Mason um, of Prem, and you're going to hear from our friend Allie, who is um, running this swimsuit line called Busy Swim. Um, And they're going to talk about some other aspects of having a small fashion brand trying to make it and navigate all these topics. So, so far today, I would say in part one of our fashion episode, our fashion (laughs) small business episode, we have learned about how hard it is (laughs) to do this right. Um, I'd love to hear from the family about other brands that you like that are doing this. It's really interesting to hear about it, I think, from one person's perspective. Um, These are all very small brands and it's a totally different process than a large company. And I'm hoping that this episode helps us as consumers and as friends and as part of the community to like learn how to ask for what we want and support the brands that are doing what we want and learn how to ask questions that are more educated and and move forward in that way so we all get what we want. All right. So far, this was part one of our Fat Chin series. You're welcome. And that's our show. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Khan, and the iconic April K. Quio, who is on a break this season. You know what she said to me the other day, though, was... I'm just kidding, but you can talk to me, but yeah. <laughs> okay. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to fyi at she's all fat 
please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the pod next week. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Britt Scott. This episode was co-produced and edited by Maria Ortel. Our junior producer is Lynn Barbera. Our lovely, amazing new interns are Freya Salander and Yelly Cruz. I am our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Bye. Sorry, Maria, there's some noise outside. There's always a noise. Okay, next. <laughs> I don't, what could that be? Dropping wood? What is that? Anyway, um, <laughs> can you hear it? <laughs> Text me and let me know if you can hear the sound. I feel like I'm losing my mind. What's going on? There's not wood to be chopped outside. No clue. Okay. It seems to be dying down. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.